This morning's message is the commander prepares us for battle. And we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 5, verses 13, through Joshua chapter 6, verse 5. Moses is dead, the patriarch of the nation of Israel is gone. And God has raised up this new leader, Moses' assistant, Joshua. He is the leader of God's people. And they have finally crossed the Jordan River and they finally set their feet on holy ground, on the promised land that was promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And now that they're in the promised land, they are about to face their first test, the fortified city of Jericho, the walled city. And before God sends them into the city, God is preparing Joshua and ultimately his people for what lies ahead. And we're going to read in this passage that God is promising them victory. He's promising them that Jericho will be delivered into their hands. But before they go to battle, God has very clear instructions and ways in which he must prepare Joshua for the battle. That lies ahead. Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. This is the word of God, which is delivered to you this morning. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked. Behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And his commander and the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out. And none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. Thus you shall do it for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. And on this Lord's day, the grass withers and the flower continues to fade, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. What does Joshua need in order to fight the battle that lies ahead. But ultimately, we have to ask the question if this word is not only written and delivered to Joshua, but also written and delivered to us this morning, the question must be asked, what do we need to fight the battles that lie ahead? What do we need to fight and face the battles that we're faced with? How does God not only prepare Joshua for battle, but I want to answer the question this morning, how does God prepare his people 
How does God prepare us for the battles of our lives? There's a few things that I want to identify here in this passage that before Joshua fights the battle of Jericho, God prepares him for the all-important battle that he faces. The first thing that we see in God's preparation for battle for Joshua and ultimately for us is we see here in the passage that the commander redefines our agenda. Who is this commander? Who is this man that appears to Joshua with a drawn sword? Well, as Pastor Sam told us in the children's message, this commander of the Lord's army is none other than the Lord. It is the Lord who has come in the form of a commander. It is what, as Pastor Sam says, what we call a Christophany. It is the pre-incarnate second person of the Trinity that is standing before Joshua. It's the visible expression of God. And it is to remind us that Jesus has no beginning and no end. That he is pre-existent with God the Father. And he has come now to stand before Joshua as the commander of the Lord's army. And as he stands before Joshua, Joshua asks this question. He says, Commander, are you for me or are you for them? Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And the commander of the Lord's army answers, no. No. No's not an option. Are you for them or are you for us? No's not an option. Yes, it is. Because what the Lord is trying to communicate to Joshua is you have the wrong agenda. This is not about your agenda. This is not about your battle, Joshua. This is about my agenda and my battle. You see, what the commander of the Lord's army is doing for Joshua is he's redefining the agenda. He's saying, Joshua, wrong question. I actually reject both options. The option is not whether I'm for you or for them. The real question, Joshua, is are you for me? This is my battle and my agenda. And the same question needs to be posed to us this morning. Not whether the Lord is for us or for them. The question needs to be posed, are we for the Lord? You see, the one thing that we suffer from greatly as human beings, is this self-centered, self-absorbed paradigm of thinking this world revolves around us. And God says, no, this world and this life revolves around me. And so the question that is posed to Joshua by this indirect answer of no needs to be posed to us this morning. Not whether God is for us or for them. But whether are we for the Lord, his agenda, his battle, his fight, his mission, his ministry. You see, our problem is when we think about God, we want God in our lives, but we want God as an executive assistant. We want God as a life coach. We come to God when we need something. And God says, that's not how it works. You come and you serve me. This is what the servant of the Lord does. And Joshua needed to be reminded and we need to be reminded as well. Life is not about you. Life is not about us. And just as Joshua needed to hear that word no, many of us need to hear that word no this morning. 
And just as a parent lovingly tells their child no, sometimes God the Father needs to tell us as his children no. Sometimes it's the most important word we can hear. No, stop. Not about you but it's about me. Here the commander, in order to prepare Joshua for the battle of Jericho, has to redefine the agenda. It's not about me serving you, it's about you serving me. The second thing that we see here in this passage is that the commander destroys our boasting. The only proper response to encountering God as Joshua did on that day is to bend the knee and fall on your face and take off your sandal. The response we see from Joshua is the only proper response. Because originally in verse 13, it was the posture of arrogance. Joshua with with his sword drawn and saying, are you for me or for them, was the epitome of arrogance. But then in an instant, he is brought to his knees and to his face And the posture we now see with Joshua in verses 14 and 15 is a posture of extreme humility. You see, God has an amazing way of destroying our boasting so that Joshua, when he won the battle at Jericho, would not be the one to pat himself on the back and would not be the one to boast about himself and his own efforts. But God wanted Joshua to be reminded that when you secure Jericho, there's only one you will boast in, and it is God. God's glory, God's greatness. And all throughout the scriptures, we are told as God's servants and as God's children, if you're going to boast in anything, what does Paul say? We boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. We see a man who is in one instance in a posture of arrogance and in an instant a posture of humility. This is the posture of the servant of the Lord on our face, on our knees, taking off our sandals. And I want to ask you this morning, how often are we in this posture? How often do we find ourselves in this posture of utter humility where we are not boasting in who we are and what we've accomplished and what we've done, but find ourselves boasting in God and his glory and his greatness. The commander of the Lord's army, before Joshua goes into battle, needs to destroy his boasting and needs to destroy his arrogance So in order to prepare for the battle of Jericho, the commander redefines agendas and he destroys our boasting. But lastly, the commander fights our greatest battle. You see, the commander of the Lord's army, God himself, has his sword drawn, we're told in verse 13, ready to fight. When the the sword is drawn, that is not a posture of defense, but it's a posture of offense. He is on the offensive, ready to fight. But the question we must ask ourselves is how in the world did Joshua survive? If he comes to God with such arrogance, if he comes to God with boasting, and God has his sword drawn, the question must be asked, how in the world did Joshua survive the commander of the Lord's army? You see, we understand that through Scripture, God is holy and we are not. 
God even reminds Joshua, you are standing on holy ground. You see, this passage reveals a greater battle that not only Joshua faced, but a greater battle that you and I face. You see, the greatest battle for Joshua was not Jericho, but the greatest battle for Joshua was how in the world would a person like Joshua stand in the presence of a holy God and that sword not come down? And that is our greatest battle this morning. Our greatest battle is how in the world can people like you and me stand before a holy, righteous God? You see, God reminds Joshua, no, not for you and not for them, but I'm for myself. Well, the only answer for how Joshua survives the sword and how Joshua survives that day is actually found thousands of years later in the book of Romans. And it's in Romans chapter 8 that Paul says these words. Paul says in verse 31 of chapter 8, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? But wait a second. I thought we just learned in Joshua chapter 5 that God is for himself. Paul's saying here that God is for us. So what is it? Is God for himself or is God for us? And the answer is finally yes. God is both for himself and for us. How in the world can that be? Well, the answer is found in the next verse, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, my friends, it is at the cross of Jesus Christ and the cross alone that God can both be for himself and for us. God is for himself that his holiness and his righteousness is perfectly satisfied in the person and work of Jesus Christ, but also at that same cross, it is a demonstration for all who believe that yes, God is now no longer against us, but for us only in the cross. And this is why Jesus is our only hope. And this is why God can both be for us and against us. The reality that the sword fell on Jesus so that the sword would never fall on us. The commander of the Lord's army fell on the sword so that God would always be for us. Do you know what good news that is this morning? That because the sword fell on Jesus and not on us, that Jesus fought our greatest battle for us. It is the good news that now we can bend our knee and fall on our face as servants of God and we can go through this life facing everything. Why? Because our greatest battle has not only been fought, but our greatest battle has been won. Joe Novitson is a pastor in our denomination and he recalls a story of one time traveling to India for a missions trip. And Joe Novitson on the last night of his missions trip was talking with a local pastor there in India. And the pastor asked him, Joe, I wanna know, do you believe your Bible? And Joe said, yes. Well, I want you to read this passage. And he handed him a, his Bible and he wanted him to read a passage of what it meant to be a servant of God and to be a servant 
of the kingdom of God. And then he asked Joe, the Indian pastor, I want to ask you, how many of those leadership conferences in North America have you been to? You know those conferences where, where they talk about how, how to be a great leader and you, you pay $300 and you get a three-ring binder and everybody leaves knowing what it means to be a great leader. How many conferences like that have you been to? And Joe thought about it and he said, I guess about nine or ten. And then the Indian pastor said, Joe, how many conferences have you been to about what it means to be a servant of Christ? and to be a servant of the kingdom of God. Joe said, none. He says, you know what the problem is with you American Christians? You want to lead everyone, but you can't serve anyone. So keep your Christianity to yourselves and don't bring it here to India because you will only hurt God's people. There's a lot of truth in what that pastor said. We tend to grow very comfortable. We tend to grow very passive. And we tend to lead lives, even as Christians that are small and weak and anemic and powerless, because we forget where the true power is found. The true power is found in not us being Lord of our own lives, but true power is found in laying our lives down as servants of God and servants of Christ. You see, Joshua needed a wake-up call that day that you want power to face any battle? Then bend your knee and fall on your face and take off your sandals. That is the power. Because when we realize that Christ has solved our greatest battle, that is where power comes from. And you will never get that from the world. The world can never offer you that power the power to understand that your greatest battle was won for you at the cross. Therefore, you can face any battle in life as servants of the Most High God. And listen what Paul eventually says in Romans chapter 8. He says, because of Christ winning your greatest battle for you, he now calls you more than conquerors. That you can now face any battle in life because the greatest battle has been won for you. So I want to ask you this morning, do you believe? And have you encountered God as Joshua encountered and believed that day here in this passage? Because it is not a question of whether if you will encounter God, you will encounter God one day. The only question will be, will he be for you? And because of Jesus Christ, and for all those who place their faith and trust in him alone, the promise is both now and forever. God is always for you, and he is never against you. You see, the day you realize and you believe in God, and you believe and acknowledge that Jesus took the sword for you, your life will never be the same. So how about today? Let's bend our knee. Let's fall on our face. And let's take off our sandals. For after all, you are a servant to the Lord, the commander of the army.